1: Rivals has arrived. All right, welcome to another episode of Rivals. Scott Mitchell, Jason Buck. And yes, it's that time of year again. No, it's not the holiday season, but it is the holiday season. And now recruiting has invaded on our holidays. It used to be in the second week of February, and now it's in December. And they have early signing day, and they have it because they want these players to, I guess, have a good holiday, possibly be able to enroll in school so that they can participate in spring football practice, and the recruiting just gets younger and younger and younger. Well, BYU and Utah have both had a lot of success in their early signing. Uh, In fact, I think early signing, Jason, is is becoming – the regular signing, and probably pretty soon it 'll kind of take over for the whole thing because most of these recruits are uh, pretty pretty much decided at least by by this point i, I don 't think there 's a lot of surprises yeah they are so this uh, um, this Utah recruiting class uh, i I, I kind of had this thought hit me uh, when when we, uh, when I was driving in here today, knowing that we were going to have this conversation, because you, you ask yourself, well, does the success or the lack of success on the field, is, is there any indicator, is there any tangible evidence of, of its impact on recruiting? Is like maybe your team isn't good, but man, you are just a heck of a recruiter. Like like when Ron McBride first got to Utah, he was an amazing recruiter, yeah. right? I mean it's yeah, he's a great recruiter. it's what but but the program wasn't there to sell. Right. He was selling an idea. You know, he was selling the hope tough of the duty, future. Man. Yeah, it's really yeah. tough, you know. And and so you you have to ask yourself does the, your success on the field? And and I think in Utah's case, I think there's some tangible evidence that says yes it does. And and here here's here's well, my, absolutely here, success. Yeah.
0: I, I never would have went to BYU if they had a losing program. Back when I was leaving Rick's college, there is no way five and five. But six but and wouldn't, five, wouldn't seven you five. go?
1: What would you go to Utah? Who their first season? Well, actually, that would have been was Jim Fossil. Did he recruit you at Utah? Yeah, yep. Was it his first year, or or had he finished his first year? I think it finished. I think '84 was his first year. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, it was 84?
0: eighty four? Yeah, it was eighty four. It was his first year. I think he finished his first season. because It was that fall, and that he was, was eight and group. four. Yeah, his
1: first year. They had they had a really good year. Yeah, uh, you know, and so everyone was optimistic. Like, okay, here we go. This is this is going to be a good thing, but it didn't. It didn't strike you as well. You you were you. I don't want. I don't no, want to go down those. I'm weeks. not a good okay.
0: example on that because I was Ohio State, right. Alabama, Texas. But
1: but here's where here's where I think here's where I think it's changed for Utah it's changed in that this clark phillips who just just signed four star guy going to ohio state like he's a legit guy he's he's a guy um that that won't be around too long like he's going to go to the nfl but he's a legit a legit player okay right he's going to ohio state what happens utah flips him and this is ohio state yeah. Then this Van Fillinger, who's the second highest-rated recruit in Utah, another four-star recruit, going to Texas. You have Oklahoma. Are you, I'm sorry, you have Ohio State and Texas. Like those are as about prestigious universities and college football programs as you could get. Yeah, I mean they are the big boys. They are yep. old blood, blue blood. They are college football. Yeah, they flip him, which is huge. Which is massive. Yeah, a year ago they signed... This cam rising, who transfers, and they think had he been able to compete last year, may have given Tyler Huntley a run for his money and then you have this Bentley kid from South Carolina who started and just and broke his foot at the beginning of the year and and knew he wasn't in south carolina 's plans and where does he end up at Utah so you've got South Carolina, you have Texas, you have Ohio State and and those are it's not like these guys are coming from Arizona State or you're flipping a guy that might have gone right. to you know I don't know even UCLA yeah i mean it's not and that doesn't happen in the past and i think that this whole recruiting thing has or has been impacted by the success that utah's had absolutely. on the field absolutely
0: absolutely the success on the field impacts it I mean, it, it makes people take notice. They think they can go to Utah and have a chance to win championships, and they can see themselves winning the championships. It sells it.
1: So do you feel that, um, like, did you go to BYU because they just won the national championship? Did that play into? It played into it. It did play into yeah, it. Yeah,
0: absolutely it played into it. I was so determined, you know, in my thoughts to get to the team that would develop me as a lineman and get me to the NFL. That was number one to me. And so I was really obviously flattered by the Texas and Ohio State and Alabama and the, you know, the real big names. And and uh, I, I would just refused to talk to any WAC conference school at the time and uh, but BYU because they were undefeated and they had, you know, just won the national championship. And, and obviously I was tied to it through church, right, right and my membership and, you know, all that. but it was uh the, being undefeated and winning the national championship was
1: one of the keys to me coming absolutely see for me it wasn't and i think there are, there are a lot of kids that that's not the case and it, and there's nothing wrong with that i mean, yeah, I mean they're, they, yeah they're like mom and dad went there i've been a fan all my life well, no no it grew
0: up right next to the school i mean there's a lot of the, other factors no
1: but. what i'm saying is is for me and a lot of these kids they go like well, yeah, they they haven't won there, they haven't won there in a long time, but I'm going to change that when I go there. Yeah. That's how that's how a lot of these players think they go. And it's I think it's changed in in a lot of regards where the players go. Yeah. I know they haven't won a championship, but we're going to we're going to win one. I mean, these kids this last senior class at Utah, they had that mindset. They're like, "We're we're going to put us on the map." Yeah. And so I think there's a there's this, you know, it's like cuz why are these I guess I'm trying to get to the bottom of why do recruits go where they go? You know, why do they do it?
0: You know, what, 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 you know, is it? It's a combination. I think, you know, obviously winning, you've got to have a winning program. That influences it. But then personal relationship. I mean, next to that, I think it's, you know, my position coach. I'm a D lineman. they D line coach. Do you just really spark, you know, that feeling between each other where you're going to like working with this guy, you believe in him, you know, he's going to develop you. I mean that's gotta that's gotta be the biggest factor is the position coach you're going to be working with and the in the system the coaching staff and and the team that that all influences it.
1: So you you don't um, okay. What about um, like well I'll get into that in in a little bit. But let, let's take let, let let's take a little bit closer look at this um, this Utah class. And I guess my question is because everyone gets excited about recruiting or maybe disappointed. I, I you know you go cuz Utah apparently their ranking in the Pac-12 is 8. They're 36 nationally. Um they were 42 a year ago. So they've they've certainly gone up. Um and uh and so they're it, it's an improvement. I think it's a bigger improvement than that. I mean I I think they've they've got some and and part of your ranking is the number of players, you know. It's like the it's the stars, and it's the actual number of players that you actually recruit. Uh, so it's a little bit misleading what those rankings mean. Uh, but my question, Jason, is: Does anybody um, have an immediate impact on this in this Utah class? <laughs>
0: You know, it's hard. I think traditionally it's hard for uh, players to come in and have an, an immediate impact, but skilled players can pull it off quicker than a lineman can. It is extremely rare for a you know freshman to come in on the D line or O line and and the big guy positions, yeah. right? And and but more and more of these that,
1: kids are doing it. I mean, you have Penny Sewell who did sophomore,
0: and, unbelievable. and you have
1: Thibodeau, the other the other um, five star guy that went to Oregon. They both did, so I, yeah, I agree D-line with you. Man, it is harder. It is harder than It the is line much harder. Position.
0: Usually, yeah. you can see a you know corner Mo- receiver guys, yeah. come in most of the time, mm-hmm. and and hit an, make an impact much faster. Quarterback would be crazy to see a quarterback come and, in and, as a freshman, and they impact. and they're putting
1: them out there. Yeah, I mean the, a lot of schools, you know, USC and Arizona State did it. Uh, US UCLA did it. The guy at Auburn who. Everyone, this Bo Nix. Everyone thought he was my goodness. This guy's, you know, he was terrible. He, you know, he wasn't. It wasn't great. I think I you mean, put he put that very
0: well, though. And you, you know, you, you've you've talked about this before and how they've simplified, you know, the the read offense so that kids can come in and play yeah. as freshmen. It's not as difficult to learn as a you know NFL pro style right. multiple read system. Yeah, and so they can just come in and like, hey, I got to know two or three things. Yeah, and just and execute it and yeah. so they
1: can, yeah they can get away with playing a lot sooner now
0: with that some more simplified system
1: so is there anyone that in this in this utah recruiting class you think actually is going to have some kind of impact now or do you
0: know no i, I doubt it i mean i haven't i've haven't gone and watched film on them to know exactly I mean, i've read over everything and i see this guy reports and what they've done but you know, to make that kind of a judgment, I'd really need to watch some film on him personally yeah. to say, man, if you can start D one, I'm like eh, coming out of high school. That's rare. It'd be a corner receiver, I would think. So
1: that's the thing. This Clark Phillips, this guy that that they flipped from Ohio State, they feel like he's a guy that can come in and start day yeah, one. Yeah,
0: and they, and it could. Yeah, you know that that skill position like that, I could I could see that happening.
1: Uh, this Fillinger, they think it will probably be a couple of years, and that goes to your point where he's a defensive end. Uh, it May take him a year or so before he really really gets in there, but um, probably other than that, I mean maybe the, obviously the quarterback, but those are grad transfers, and those are older players
0: uh, yeah. Nate
1: Ritchie, this, you know the safety from Lone Peak, I believe he goes on a mission anyways all right, yeah. interesting discussion about kind of what what does recruiting actually mean, but it is the lifeblood of your program, and I, I think the success you have on the field changes that we 're going to come back and we 're going to talk about that old school from down south. Jason's alma mater. Oh yeah. The Brigham Young Cougars. Cougars. All right, welcome back to the show. Scott Mitchell, Jason Buck Rivals uh, talking about recruiting. And of course, the early signing period has it well, it's here. Uh, it's happened. Uh, and you have the BYU Cougars who are, um, coming off of what kind of year would you call this last season? The Jekyll and Hyde season? Yeah, that's uh, what I
0: call it. Jekyll and Hyde. Cause uh, you're like awesome this week. Uh, wait, stub your toe next week. Don't know what team I'm going to get. They're going to knock somebody off big like Boise state, but then, you know, lose to UUSF USF or Toledo. So yeah, it was a bit of Jekyll and Hyde for me. It was like an emotional roller coaster. All right,
1: so um, in the in the ranking of BYU, they're second in the independent football bowl series. Independent, woo, 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 woo. I would assume probably behind Notre Dame,
0: but ahead of New Mexico State and UMass and
1: and uh, Liberty. Don't and forget Liberty. Liberty. Okay. Yes, and I think Navy's in there somewhere. Yeah, Navy. Yeah, and they're seventy third. No, no,
0: no, Navy's in the AAC.
1: Are they in the AAC? Did yeah, they go. Yeah, no. they're that, in the AAC. was a smart move by them yes it was uh nationally well, wait, the, they got in a conference yes nationally yeah. the the cougars are 73 a year ago they were 81 okay uh so um what is your just give me your overall feeling about this recruiting class at BYU where it is is it good is it bad what is it
0: yeah it looks like you know obviously the rankings a little bit better than last year and that tells that they're moving the you know the pendulum in the right direction but you know, I, I've looked at, and it's early in the signing time. I mean, they don't have everybody signed right? Signed yet. You know, re- reviewing it, it just, uh, you know, looked more of the same. They went a little heavier on D-line because they really, you know, need D-linemen, obviously. and uh, But it looked more of the same type of D-linemen that they've recruited the last few years. So they've got their, obviously, their system of pluggers in there that they they want to build the type of athletes they're going to recruit. So I didn't see a change there this year so far that I really, really liked. But, uh, you know, it sounds like, they, you know, they got them a good quarterback and, uh, you know, for, for depth. And they're going to go in the um, transfer portal for running backs again, which I think is a really good idea.
1: Well, you you have uh, the strategy of the uh, portal. Yeah. Let me let me throw some statistics That's out. Good for BYU. But okay. let me throw you some statistics about the transfer portal. It, it, it's gonna blow you away. There's 1,100 players that are in the transfer portal, and about 147 that have actually been placed. So well, about a, ten- not, about, yeah. a tenth,
0: about a tenth, about a tenth,
1: about a tenth, a tenth of the players in the pool are actually getting out. Wow. Yeah. So wow. so it's a big pool. Yeah. And there's probably a lot of garbage in it. Oh, I mean, sure, and not that this is garbage, but Joe Critchlow actually went in the transfer portal. Right. He wasn't going to figure in the quarterback situation at BYU, but he was gone. So so from the transfer portal side of things, yeah, I think I think it has to be a part of your recruiting. It and has certain, to be a part. And, of it, and it, it
0: worked well. And there's dangers. You got to – there's dangers.
1: No question. But, Manny Bowens for Utah a year ago, Yeah, they thought they'd secured up their linebacker situation, and he jilted them at the last – the last moment, but I think it worked very well for BYU. It did
0: for BYU last year. I, the running back position—it just—it was real. The, you know that injury—you know—really got him to Williams. But
1: so here's here's the thing with BYU that I think is kind of challenging, and and uh, maybe challenging is not the right word. I always like look at these recruits and go, I just want them to play right now, and and the reality is it's they just freshman? well no that no the reality is they just don't. That's no. my whole point. Is like, everyone gets excited about, all right, we just signed all these new cool guys and everything. But you know, and in BYU's case, most of these guys are going to go on missions. Yeah, like like they're gone. They're going on missions, and that's a great thing. I mean, I'm not saying it's, it's a great thing. But not it, a, not a great thing, but it's just the
0: development moves out there two, three years. It just changes things. So yeah. then
1: you go, okay, well, if they're going out, who's coming back? And and the reality is, is that's still up in the air. Like. Like there's nobody coming back that you just go, man, I can't wait for this guy to come back. For example, like when you had Chase Hansen at Utah, and he yeah. goes on a mission, and everyone's like, man, I can't wait till Chase Hansen gets back because he's gonna be something special. Or you have a kid like Britton Covey, yeah. or some of these kids, and and they've had they've had that happen at BYU as well. But it's just it's just kind of hard when when some of these guys, you know. Um, the, you, well, I say some. Most of them pff, are gone. You know, yeah, well,
0: let, let that and then Lance Reynolds told me once. He said, Jace, it takes a minimum a year to get these return missionaries." back in football shape so right. they can even contribute right so i mean it's like a one out of ten comes back and can actually contribute yeah. his first year back from a mission
1: it's a good point point.
0: and then they're subject to you watch it all the time they come back and they come back too early coaches push them back too fast and they get injured yeah i mean you see that so often because man did that, you there's not their bodies aren't ready for that level of competition and speed
1: did you ever see anyone who came back and just didn't have it anymore
0: Oh, all the time.
1: How, how, all the time how, how much of a How much of a percentage is that?
0: Oh, I, I would say the percentage was, you know, back when I was playing, fairly high. When I say that 25%, 30%, one out of four. I mean, we if everybody would say, we'd always talk about it. People would talk about what an advantage was to have the return missionary program and have older players, you know, Barry Switzer at Oklahoma, and right. everybody's just ripping on us. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. We lose about as many players, you know, to the playing pro you know going right. on a mission you just have zero desire to play anymore yeah we lose so many of them that definitely evens out the guys that come back and are a little more mature and are studs and then you have guys that come back and they play pretty good but they don't have the fire you know what, you know what i'm saying the the piss and vinegar to punch you right, right. in the mouth mm-hmm. i mean i get punched in the mouth and you knock my teeth out they'd rather hug you they'd rather hug say, you
1: yes they're well, like you they, my, they just like mellowed well, them out yeah. right my they, dear br- my dear brother here, it's, yes
0: it's hey why are you mad at me yeah. <laughs> right, right? Yeah. so there, there's negatives to the you know it's not all advantages to send guys out on missions and bring them back is what i'm saying it's a lot of them you come back and you lose them and and they're not as good a player and they lost the fire in their belly and they just riding it out to get married at school and and you know finish their degree and so it was, so it's a double-edged sword it's positive and it's negative
1: uh so the one, I guess, name from this whole recruiting class is Cody Epps, this wide receiver. Uh out of he's, modern Day? Yeah, out of Moder Day in, in uh Santa Ana, California. And and he's the guy I think, you know, he could maybe have an impact, maybe have an impact this year. I don't know. I don't know if he's going on a yeah. mission. I don't know what his his status yeah, is. I don't know
0: if he's L D S. Or... Yeah, but
1: but he he's certainly He's certainly kind of the the marquee name for BYU in in this recruiting class yeah,
0: to play right away. Absolutely at, at uh, corner. I mean, they're weak enough at D line. You know, maybe a, just a real special D lineman could come in and uh, make make an impact because they're they're weak there. Um, quarterback, no. Running back, you know, um, with Katoa coming back. I mean, it's a little a little better, but they definitely need to bring in a another transfer you know out of the portal like they did last year at least at least one running back
1: I want to ask you this question and it's about uh, a couple of players probably the two highest prospects uh, for the pros that could leave underclassmen so you have kairi Tonga and a defensive lineman as you said and then you also have uh Matt Bushman the tight end so do you think uh, what, what do you think about those players should they stay or should they go
0: You know, I I don't know if they're going to help themselves that much by playing another year, and I don't, you know, like move up in the draft picks very, very much farther. Um, But I don't think they're going to go that high this year either. You know, I don't, you know, Bushman Bushman could maybe go in the third, fourth round up there pretty high. I mean, I I really like him, but they didn't utilize him as much this year as I was hoping they would have. I think he could have had a much better year than he did if they would have used him right. I mean, he is a great receiving tight end. I mean, I've heard knocks on him as a run blocker, which you better learn how to be a run blocker in the NFL.
1: Why? They don't run the ball anymore in the and NFL. Well, that true. that hybrid tight end is like it's in vogue, man.
0: It's it's they don't block as much as they used to. See, that's I true. I think
1: I think Matt Bushman should go. Yeah. And I think he should go. I don't even care if he's a third round guy because he's a guy that he he gets in the right situation and and he'll get in the right situation because someone will go, we can utilize that guy yeah. and 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 so okay he finds a third round draft choice but he gets on a good team yeah. and he's gonna play yeah. and he's and he's gonna get get he's got opportunities hands, yeah. when you got a guy Kyrie's Tonga he's gonna get his lunch eat okay uh-huh. he needs to stick around and he needs to get low right that that seriously and it's just. I think he can really improve his situation if if that was the case. Yeah. If he if he actually got got lower, got uh in yeah, right in now Tonga
0: just watching him you know, last year like you said playing high and you know and then inconsistent. Um made some fantastic plays obviously, but inconsistent. And then yeah. you're like, "Wait, where would he go for that quarter?" Oh, it didn't see him that right. quarter. Well, all oh, made a big play. And
1: another year of seasoning for the, him and and would help changing him. that play I think would be. He so made, for him Dude needs to stay.
0: Yeah, and he may get converted to offensive line potentially. You think? He could get converted to the offensive line. That's the nice thing about being a good D lineman and I didn't the know they
1: converted people, people at BYU.
0: <laughs> That's a good one. No, they can I've you know you saw D linemen, college D linemen that were good enough athletes to be D linemen in the NFL were converted to O line in the NFL all the time. Right. And they made great O linemen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. You have anything else you want to share or are you done?
0: No, you know, I think we have a good subject um, coming up. Do we? Yes. I oh really, boy. yeah. Yeah, talking about, okay. you know, how the, does it really, the like recruiting class mean more or, you know, NFL players coming to your program mean more?
1: Okay. All right. Well, hey, this like round it. of rivals is over. It's over. He's Jason Buck. I'm Scott Mitchell. You can find us uh, at KSLSportsGood.com because that's who we're powered by. Please visit us on Facebook, at The Rivals Podcast, Twitter, at The Rivals Show. And until then, whatever you do, day or night, sleeping or awake, do not act like Jason.
0: It's the best thing.